0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the next episode of the Popcorn Podcast with Chase, Dan, and Danklin. This is going to be episode 15 of season two. Before I get more into it, what's up, boys? Wait, we lost Dan. We lost. Oh, you're just kidding. We didn't lose Dan. I'm fucking all edited this out. I couldn't see you. I'm a fucking boomer. Oh,
1: <laughs> <Wait. laughs> I was like,
2: what? Uh, dude, <laughs> we're all on video. We could see each other now. Yeah, it's like so much
1: better. I like. We should not go back.
2: It's pretty
0: good. I like this.
1: Uh,
0: We've had some technical difficulties here at the Popcorn Podcast for all of you listening in. Uh, There wasn't an episode last week, which was December... December 4th, there was supposed to be an episode. It did not come out, unfortunately. That episode is now being pushed back to February. It was, if I'm being honest, exhausting to record because it was over two hours long. It was our drama episode. Uh, it was heartbreaking that when we lost that recording. But it'll be good when we come back in February. Uh, today we're getting into musicals. Uh, but yeah, how's your guys' week been outside of the, the fucking tragedy of us
1: losing the recording? I'm
2: still depressed. No, it's so yeah.
1: I still haven't gotten over it yeah it fucking sucks man especially because it just takes up so much of the night yeah for like Mm -hmm. all that to basically meant nothing it was like i thought it was
2: a really good episode too and then uh, yeah we just lost an hour and a half of reviews and it's just a big bummer
0: Mm -hmm. it was defeating to say the least i was utterly just deflated and defeated i was just like oh god
2: Well, we're like, should we do it tomorrow? And i say, I don't want to talk about this again. (laughs) Like, give me 90 days or something. Uh, I
0: don't want to do this shit anymore. Give me 90 days, exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But uh,
0: hopefully this is a foolproof method of recording. We are trying out Zoom for audio recording. Uh, Look out in the future for possible video recordings of our podcast as well. Uh, Hit, hit, nudge, nudge. Uh, Yeah. Let's get into this. Y'all ready? Yeah. So for the news this week, we've got not too much going on. We have a bunch of news we covered last week, but it's old news now. Uh, HBO Max recently dropped their 2021 lineup, and it's fucking incredible.
1: Yeah, it it really is. Awesome. Let Let me find some of these movies. So some of these movies include... We've got things like doom wonder woman 1984 also movies like in the heights which i'm super excited about that hasn't well- come out yet no no it was going to come out this summer but then uh, it, Frankie, <laughs> it was going to be so
2: was it was going to be unforgettable you're going to forget about it
0: <laughs> i thought you said doom instead of dune i was like there's another doom movie coming out i was like yeah. <laughs> I know what he's talking about.
2: I
1: almost said Zoom. Like I'm. I was confused. <laughs> I was just... <laughs> what else though? The Matrix Four that was oh. pretty great. I'm hey. so fucking excited for that. It's gonna be so fucking good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty excited for that, and it's really awesome. I think they might have learned their lesson from uh, Mulan. I think yeah. a lot of streaming platforms were like, "Let's not do that," and so. You know what's Blue fucked day up? $30. Yeah, exactly.
0: What, what's really fucked up that I heard is that none of their partners knew they were going to be going to streaming. Like, Paramount Pictures didn't know that these movies were going to be released on streaming first
1: and all these different partners. Well, it's not first. It's same day as movie release.
0: Yeah, so for the first 30 days, it's only going to be it's going to be on there for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their partners didn't know. And they're like, they're losing a lot of money from this, but also... I, I get it from a financial point of view. They're just recouping their losses because they, they've already lost a ton of money because of fucking COVID. Uh, but for the consumer, it's awesome. Like, give me more of this. Like, let's seize the means of production of film and uh, get more. But also,
1: I feel like regardless, they were going to lose
0: money. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, it's an awesome fucking deal. Like, if you weren't subscribed to HBO Max already, $15 a month gets you all of these movies throughout 2021 and then you have fucking just HBO Max in general It's a and then really- you just have HBO shows like yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pay 15 yeah.
1: bucks a month for that shit
0: yeah I pay 15 bucks a month already and yeah. the fact that I'm not having to pay an extra 30 for each individual film it's bringing for me personally because I fucking love movies and I've really been defeated because I haven't been to a movie theater since January It's it's been nearly a year and I we do a movie podcast and I haven't been in a movie theater since January Damn. Uh, we haven't even reviewed a new movie. yet yeah, in so fucking long. Uh, the last movie I saw in theaters
1: was Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> that was the last that one. Was,
2: I, yeah, that was twelve I, months I think, ago.
1: I, I think the it. last one I watched was um, Onward. Because we you didn't still in theaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I regret us not going to the movies now when we were. Uh, in Town for Universal because we talked about going to the movies. We, just, we did. What did we want to see? We wanted to see something that we were like, ah, oh, maybe we'll go see it. Yeah, it was like in theaters in February and we were just like, yeah, we'll do it and we just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, we didn't have time to be honest.
0: Yeah, but damn, I kind of regret that because uh, yeah, January was the last time I went to the movie theaters. It's been a weird year. The fact, thank God it's fucking already December. This year has simultaneously felt like the longest year while also going by
1: really quickly. I like the thing I find funny though about people saying that is like I feel like people associate the pandemic with the year 2020 and though it is I'm not under the assumption that like once this year ends like oh it's not yeah you know like people are like oh god thank god this year is almost over I'm like what because 2021 is gonna just be better like it could literally be worse (laughs) yeah (laughs) literally
0: there's a trend where it for some reason Every year is getting worse and worse, and I wonder I wonder why that is. But uh, yeah, it's been a long fucking year. I feel like January and February felt like two months worth of time. March and April felt like a full year in and of itself. Then it goes May, June, July, August, or May, June, July felt like a month total. August, for me personally, felt like another year. September, October, November felt like two months. And December, and September, October, November, December has just been going by super fast.
2: It's like once football and the holidays hit, I feel like time has just flew by. Like, yep. it really seems like September was just the other week. And I mean, we're mm-hmm. literally Christmas and two yeah. weeks from Friday.
0: We're, we're in week 14 of the uh, football season and my Philadelphia Eagles are only three wins in. That's...
1: <laughs> I...
2: <laughs> still got a chance. <sighs> yeah. I
1: uh, Can you imagine if like this time next year, we're all like... Remember 2020? Like it was so chill. Like things were great. Like, can you imagine if uh, a year from now reminiscing on I all? wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be we, surprised.
2: We were at a, a a business meeting back in June, and they're like, "2020 is just going to be a verb. Like in the future years, like for saying you're fucked. Like, oh man, I 2020 myself and stuff like that. And that's literally what your future is going to be like. Like people are just going to associate this year as being the shitty. World.
1: 2020
2: fucking sucked. Yeah, yeah. Think... The
1: only way that isn't gonna be true is if 2021 is 10 times worse. <laughs> I, think, I
0: think 2021's gonna suck too. Uh because I don't know about you guys, but I've been in fucking quarantine since March and I'm still in fucking quarantine. I don't leave my house, I don't fucking do mm-hmm. shit. It's uh I was talking to a friend the other day, I was like, they're like, How have you not gone insane? I was like, To be honest, I don't really know. Like the only thing's keeping me sane is the fact that we do I have a very routine schedule. Wednesday, I speak with my therapist. You know, today's a Wednesday. Thursday is football. Friday is D and D. Saturday is D and D. Sunday is D and D and football. That's a very
1: personal. Monday is
0: football. Tuesday is recording, and then it's Wednesday again. And <laughs> every single day of the week, I'm doing something.
1: I hear what you're saying, but I also have to let our viewers know: even before quarantine, this is exactly what you did.
2: It was a schedule. Yeah, but that's, I wasn't.
1: I wasn't that's forced exactly into what it was. <laughs>
2: Well, but he's it's, also selling solar panel on the side, too.
0: Yeah. Well, that when I was doing solar, I was working 60 hours a week. That was a solid 10 months. Yeah, that was, that was a long time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fuck that job. I'm still so glad. Like, I'll fucking take quarantine over working for that fucking place. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing getting me through this with complete sanity, because I haven't felt the touch of another human being in, like, six months. It's, it's been rough. It's been rough. Uh, getting on with the news, though. <laughs> we, it's going more with HBO and HBO Max. Euphoria released its special, part one of its two-part special uh, bridge episodes, essentially, is what they are. They're in between season one and two. It is called Rue. And we're going to be giving you a review later tonight. It's fucking fantastic. I cannot
1: wait to talk about it. Absolutely Goddamn incredible. Agreed. I I was telling a friend about, I mean, we'll get into it later, but I was telling a friend about this and I was like, I'm sure the fact that it was like 1 a.m. had something to do with it, but it was probably one of the best television episodes I've ever seen in like, my life. Like, And it was 1 a.m., so I was very much like, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of wired, but I also just like looking back now, I'm like, the way that was written, everything about that episode was just phenomenal
0: yeah and that same night is when we had one of the my favorite episode of the mandalorian so far No spoilers. Uh, so no if you haven't watched the mandalorian if you're a passing star wars fan you absolutely need to watch a theory that i've been subscribing to for like over a decade now came to light and i'm super excited uh Go catch up on the Mandalorian. My sister was like a season behind and I told her she needed to watch this episode and she binged the entire season this past week.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Good. caught up now. I took a Friday afternoon and watch. Yeah. And oh now my God. I'm with you guys. So that probably took you days. a solid hour and a half. It was a while, actually. It was a few hours. I mean, it really? was good, though. Yeah, after the, that second episode, it went by pretty easy. Um, mm-hmm. Every episode was good. I just like, okay, I'll keep binging. Yeah. It was
1: kind of. It's kind of like, I think like the second episode was only half an hour, but like the third one's like a, like 40 minutes again. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one was like 30 minutes. It's like going like up and down with how long they are.
0: The one with Ahsoka yeah. was long. The one with Ahsoka was like a full hour.
2: But I kept your interest the entire time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. A, the last like, two episodes
1: of Mandalorian have been
2: great. Yeah. Oh, I also started watching Clone Wars too. So. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm only on episode that's
1: three, tough. but I We just started season three.
2: Yeah, that's we've been. That's like 40 episodes.
1: We we, we do it in like two three
0: hour bursts. So yeah. we'll do like five episodes in an afternoon. We do it like twice a week. And one fucking episode. Over like three weeks, we've gotten to season three. And it's getting like
1: it's already getting better. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. season three is markedly better than the first two seasons of Clone Wars. And season two, honestly, I. It was better than the. It, first. I was like, it's better than I remember it being. Definitely better than the first. But season three, you can already tell, like right off the bat, you're like, oh, the, the Instant- budget's different. The budget's different. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I, I, the stories were way more personal for me. They were just, it was a lot more. And we're
1: different. only on like episode five. Yeah, <laughs> and we were already like, oh, this is personal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. Uh, but yeah, Euphoria, uh, part one, Rue is on HBO. Absolutely fucking incredible. Uh, if you haven't seen the first season. Go ahead and watch it. Now is a perfect time to get into it. Uh, it is extremely heavy. It is not for the faint of heart. You probably won't be able to binge it unless like you're into that type of stuff. And it's gonna be heavy, but it's so worth the watch. And then you watch the special. Uh, and part two is coming out soon. We don't know when, but it's
1: coming out soon. January 14th, 411, one of the two.
0: I'm glad. Uh, you wanna take the next piece of news? I feel like you're the one suited for this. Yeah, um, me? Yes.
1: Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. So, something that came out yesterday, I believe, yesterday, uh, the original Doc Ock, aka Alfred Molina, is joining Spider Man 3 along- alongside some other OGs that have been announced. Toby McGuire was announced, I think, like maybe a month ago. Kirsten Dunst has been announced. They've also announced Andrew Garfield. There's rumors that Emma Stone might appear in it. Absolutely. Um, I think Emma Stone? Yeah, cause she's she's Gwen Stacy in the Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm.
2: But she's uh, dead in the Andrew Garfield ones.
1: Oh, did she? I never saw them.
2: Oh yeah, she dies.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's <laughs> Spider Verse. Maybe she'll be yeah. in it. Who knows? Let's yeah, get Bryce
0: Dallas her. Howard.
2: Give us
1: Bryce she Dallas. She was the best. She was the best Gwen Stacy. <laughs> she can be again. To He's too
2: busy with Mandalorian now. Yeah, seriously. Yeah.
1: She's too busy sucking uh, Dave Filoni off.
0: Yo, um, whatever it takes to get Dave Filoni to keep pushing out content, I'll fucking I'm, here for, for
1: I'm here for it,
0: I'm uh, here for it I'm super excited
1: I didn't think they would cast Alfred, Alfred uh, Molina again he talked We about were talking movie. about this like a month ago and we were like, there's mm-hmm. no way he'll be in it like he's too big of an actor and I, I just thought he was too old, really He's too old too, that's what I thought for sure I was like, he's definitely too old I was,
0: I'm a little bummed because I uh, I wanted my my Oscar Isaac Doc Ock. I thought that would have been incredible. Uh, but <laughs> the best thing is we get Alfred Molina back and Spider-Man 2 is, again, mine and Dan's. I think it was Chase's too. far and away, favorite Spider-Man film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film seems, uh, seems like it's going to be a bunch of fan service. I am here for it. Uh, my expectations are through the roof now, so I'm a little
1: worried, but it's... I'm got here for joking. it. I'm here for it as long as it's not I'm just hoping that like Disney is not using these people to get people to watch the movie but they're actually not going to be in it you know what I mean like that's worst case that's worst case scenario is if like there's like one scene surrounding the Spider-Verse and they all jump in at once and then they jump out or something, Like I'll be like, all right. yeah." I'd probably walk out of the theater,
2: honestly. Like, 10 seconds of them.
1: I would walk out. I'd be like, that's fucking bullshit because they just, like, they just, like, basically... What's that word on YouTube where they clickbaited us, basically. (laughs) They clickbaited us. They were like, look at this, and then you watch it. It's actually this. Like, Mm. so that's the only reason I uh, will be upset. But going into it, like you said, Frankie, I have high expectations. Do you think J.K. Simmons is going to play two
0: different J. Jonah Jamesons, or it's the same J. Jonah Jameson, or it's only going
1: to be the new J. Jonah Jameson? I think it would be funny if it was just the same, because then it would just kind of say, like, doesn't matter what verse you're in, that's J. Jonah Jameson. (laughs) Yeah. That would would be probably, like, the best case scenario, because obviously nobody can reprise that role. Of course. And so I just feel Mm -hmm. like they might as well just be like, no, he's in the mall. He's in all the verses. Like, <laughs> yep. he's there. J.K. Simmons is always there. Yep. No one he's else can play J. Jonah. No.
2: Not the guy in the uh, Spider-Man video game? Is it, oh, not it J.K.? It's not. I don't think it is, no. No, it's not.
1: No, it sounds just like him.
0: It does, it does. But mm. he's not. He's not my JJ Jonah. Even though he's great, he's not my J. Jonah. Uh, and our last little bit of news is something
1: coming out from Netflix. Uh, it kind well, God, this so week. in our last episode of last week, yep. we had discussed how the royal family has been. Uh, I think it was the culture director, like the, the director of culture or something, was suing Netflix uh, to put a fictional drama disclaimer in front of each of their episodes. Um, and I think maybe a couple of days ago or something, Netflix responded to that and said it has not only zero plans to add a fictional disclaimer to The Crown. Um, but then there was a quote, and I don't know where this came from, so I can't say who said this. But some of the whoever the representative for Netflix was that was in this interview said, The royal family had no complaints up until things got real. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they fucking clapped back, all right. They clap mm-hmm. back, and it's pretty great because I think that's so funny because it's true. If I was just out of curiosity, because I, I like have gotten into the crown recently and I went on YouTube to watch royal family, like addressing or reacting to The Crown. And all of the videos pretty much are like four years old. They're all from like the first or second season of The Crown. Um, And every single one they're like, yeah, we love it. Like there's like one of (laughs) Prince William and Kate Middleton being like, we binged it. Like it was super good. Like, so it's like noted like four years ago they were all about it. And then now that it's kind of showing the truth behind Princess Diana and just everything that went down during that time period now it's not real yep. now it's not good so i think that's kind of funny
2: it's fucked but up but they they had to know that that was coming right like the big bad 90s with princess diana and yeah, like, rumors like the
1: whole, i think the whole reason the crown is even a thing is because they want to talk about diana like yeah does anybody really care about elizabeth in the 30s or do they care about diana in the 90s like
0: let's mm-hmm. let's be honest yeah. yeah uh i think it's just hilarious
1: it's fucking awesome i think it's super fucking funny and it's a great show, like it's a super good show. So I'm happy that they're like sticking to it and they're not mm-hmm. like intimidated or yeah. anything like that.
0: I don't have plans to watch it. Uh, I think the next immediate TV show I'm gonna be watching, uh, maybe outside of a Euphoria binge, if we rewatch it, uh, is probably gonna be uh, Amazon's The Bois. That's, that's yeah, next to on the that. I've heard so many great things. It's been
1: on my list for a while. Uh, It's next up. One thing I was Mm -hmm. gonna say too, I'd be down to start this with you guys if you are down. But there's a new show that came out on HBO that I've been hearing a lot about, and then I started watching it a couple days ago. It's called The Undoing. Oh, Never heard of it. Super good show. It's like got Nicole Kidman, uh, Hugh Grant, a lot of big actors in it. But I had no idea what it was. Like I just started watching it. Platform. HBO. HBO. I see a lot of people talking about it, and so I just decided to watch it. And I didn't know it. I, I. I figured it was going to be like, uh, like I've heard people say that it was like, there's like crime. So I was like, someone's going to die. I think that's like all I knew going into it, mm-hmm. but it really surpassed my expectations. I've only seen the first two episodes, but it's really good. I think you would like it chase. Cause it definitely gives like the same vibes as um,
2: Big Little, Big little Lies.
1: Lies. It's a little bit darker though. So I like yeah. it. Cause it's like Big Little Lies comes off a little bit more like funny. And like lighthearted whereas like this one is like very serious and it's good it's
2: really good i uh i've rachel watched it they they she watched the last weekend so i saw a little of it. it it wasn't really my style of show but i'm also not a big um hugh jack or whatever his name is hugh grant or um mm-hmm. what nicole kidman fan but there is another show on hbo that uh, the flight attendant with kaylee i want to see that's that interested in Taylor watching Coleco, yeah, yeah i want to watch with? that
1: the girl from the big bang Theory. Yeah. Interesting. I think Which I've is... heard of a flight attendant. She's basically Lee. a flight attendant, and then like I forget exactly why, but she like <sighs> leaves, or like she, she's not the flight attendant anymore, or she does something, but then she's like with a guy, and then she wakes up, and he's like dead.
2: He's and dead. Like she's like, in... oh, she's, like <laughs> oh, her bed.
1: Like yeah.
2: Yeah. I was. I, they were. Rachel was watching it downstairs right before we start recording, so I saw the first episode, like the first ten minutes. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, she's a really bad actress. Like, I, I can't <laughs> believe she's in an HBO show, like you paid it's all this money. It's weird when
1: you see like sitcom actors move over to drama. It's like, that's how I felt when Jim Parsons mm. was put in Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's Jim Parsons. But
2: Jim Parsons is good. Jim Parsons well, is an Emmy award-winning that. actor, yeah, but he was Kaylee Kuko is not. Like, she yeah, is yeah. just a, a girl that got on big bang because of her boobs and then they got lucky that there was 12 (laughs) seasons of it that's really (laughs) what it
0: was (laughs) oh man uh hbo rarely puts out bad shows so hopefully it's good
1: i mean not every show they put out was great but see here's the thing for me at least i've either never seen it or i fucking love it yeah like i don't think i've ever Mm -hmm. seen an hbo show i walked away from that was like that was not good Literally, it's either like I haven't seen it or I fucking love it. So I, I give them a lot of credit because I just my issue is I just haven't seen it.
0: That's the home broadcasting office, baby. Oh, no. Home, is it home box office or home, home, home box, box office? office. <laughs> I'm stupid. <laughs> All right. Well, we've uh, given HBO their, their Daily Jerk. Their <laughs> no, and... Daily Jerk off. We love them. <laughs> yep. Uh, you guys ready to get into this week's uh, episode? Let's do it. Genres, all right. Take it away, Chase. Five,
2: six, seven,
1: eight.
2: this week on the popcorn podcast we're going into our musical genre and we decided to go with three different films one highly acclaimed chicago the next being clint eastwood's jersey boys and then finally last year's horrific and terrible (laughs) cats that we just had to see to make sure it is a interesting film and we've been sitting on this cats review for a while
1: i feel like also we can't efficiently call ourselves movie reviewers if we at least don't see cats
2: yes yes yeah, I, I feel like we're we should be hired now for like the when did Actors we Guild when did we, we have watch
1: much Cats. higher credibility? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we watched that's watch like in June.
1: Yeah, we watched it. Like so in June. we watched it in June.
0: Six months later, later, I still have that sour taste in my mouth. It <laughs> <And>
2: really... <laughs> imagine the people who saw it in theaters last December, like a year later, like I, that movie sucked. They still imagine have the sour for taste some their people
1: mouth. that might have been the last movie they saw. in oh.
2: and then they like, died of COVID. Oh my fucking <laughs> god! Jesus, titty, fucking Can you Christ. imagine you took you took grandma to see it on Christmas Day, and then three months later, she's gone. And the, with all she has to remember
0: is like, "Oh my god, the little cats." <laughs> I'd rather go to hell than be the last movie ever saw in
1: my entire life. Be cats. Holy! Oh, that disgusting. Uh, do you want to give sad. like the, a quick synopsis before we just like start ripping it in? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, we're doing Chicago first, right? Yeah.
1: Chicago. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I
2: forgot. (laughs) We just, you heard cats cats and you just had to say My my
1: brain started like (laughs) tweaking out.
2: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But Chicago, uh, 2002 Chicago uh, winner of the Academy Award, synopsis is two death row murders, murderesses. murderesses. I didn't even know that's a word. I don't think that's a word. Yeah, I didn't know that was a word either. IMDB
1: says it's a word, so...
2: That's yeah. why there's this red swiggly line underneath. <laughs> two, two death row murderesses develop a fierce rivalry while competing for publicity, celebrity, and a sleazy lawyer's attention.
1: I, I'll just start off the bat. I love this film. I think it was done so well. I've, I've seen Chicago live. And it's very much, which I'm sure you guys can like see that, but it's very much a cabaret. There's not like sets, there's not really like, it's like a cabaret, it's very interpersonal. They're constantly coming up to the front and like addressing, which they do in the film too. But I just think that Rob Marshall did a phenomenal job integrating that element into like a film because I feel like that could have easily like not worked if it wasn't done well enough. And it's kind of seamless. Like one minute they're in a scene, the next minute they're on stage performing for you and it very it feels right you know it kind of feels like it was meant to be there and i think they did a really good job with this film so i'm a little stupid what's a cabaret cabaret is kind of like you know it's like a burlesque kind of show where it's like um break it down like i'm four years old you know like burlesque Uh, yeah kind of it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's like they sing, there's jazz, they play piano, they 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 do comedy, but there's not like crazy going on props. Like, it's just like them, you know? So like, for example, you know how in the movie they're constantly like breaking away and like they're on a stage singing? Yeah. That's the whole musical of Cats. I mean, okay. Chicago. Chicago! Whereas like, if you were to go see like, for example, Mamma Mia, there's, oh a full-on set. I've They're seen one, man. It's great. Right. So you know what I'm saying is like, that's full-on like a show that like yeah, yeah. you're like with a story. Chicago mm-hmm. comes off more of like a, a live kind of like, you know, I don't know. You shaking your hands and saying, you know, it doesn't do it for me. I'll be honest. <laughs> it comes off like a live. Do you know what I'm trying to say, Chase? It's like, Kinda. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs>
2: Let me look, up the look at the dictionary.com like definition so
1: I can tell yeah. you, like, a specific. Like I said, I, I, I'm a little stupid, I, I don't know what it means. Here, I, I looked it up I mean. for
2: you entertainment held in a nightclub or restaurant while the audience eats or drinks at tables. So, I'm thinking like uh, medieval times, I'm thinking
0: like casino is what it's, I, it's, I
1: it's more like that because it's like usually 1920s. Like, usually cabaret is, like, flapper. It's usually not any Mm. other. Like, you would never see, like, a cabaret for, like, it's jazz. It's, like, jazz music. It's very 1920s. The people that are performing are typically dressed like they're from Great Gatsby. And it's, like, people that are there are usually, like, Mm -hmm. at tables. It's, like, in the movie. Like, in the movie, you constantly are seeing the audience, like, at tables drinking while they're performing, you know? Mm. Like think of the scene that- And Queen they have of- those like
0: almost like dream sequences, right? Where they Yeah, like-,
1: like think of the scene where Queen Latifah is like introducing her character and she's like yeah. a cabaret star and she's like performing for this audience that's like sitting there like drinking and smoking and laughing. That's what Chicago is on Broadway. Like that's how it feels when like you obviously like can't smoke in the theater and you're not eating. But yeah. that's like the vibe that it is. You're not like, it's not like one of those shows where you get in, the lights go down and you don't make a noise and you just watch. It's very interactive. You're constantly like, the, the, there's like times where they'll come down from the stage and like be like what are you doing sir and they'll like put a microphone and you have to like you know what i mean so it's way different energy than like going to see hamilton on broadway type of thing. that's cool so like, include the audience is like part of the show in a way not necessarily yeah. and essentially how it is in the film you guys might kind of not remember as much but that's exactly how every performance is every, every oh yeah is- it's unique like they're on stage and they're like there's the whole audience is in there and the camera will like show these audience members that are like laughing and that's exactly how it is in broadway so that's why i think it was done so well because it's kind of a similar fashion into how cats is cats doesn't have a story either on broadway it's basically like a ballet it's like the nutcracker you're just like like one after another watching a performance after performance like there's no story there's no speaking it's just Mm -hmm. like number after number after number that's kind of like a ballet and so that translates well on stage but it doesn't translate well in movies 90 percent of the time because you need a story you need like a consent and this one is like you know in the in the show the 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 murder aspect is very much kind of just like Mm -hmm. it's it's mentioned but it's not the point of it Whereas they kind of like really made it the point of the movie, which I think was great because movies need that plot. They need that Mm -hmm. central storyline, which is why I think Chicago just did so well because it's not like you're sitting there like, what the fuck am I watching? What is going on? Is there a story? (laughs) That's how Cats came off. Cause it's like, I said this before, it's like trying to make Cirque du Soleil a movie. Like the whole point of Cirque du Soleil is just tricks. You know what I mean? Like it's just Mm -hmm. tricks and people performing. If you made that a movie, with no story it'd be like what is, am i following like what's happening you know what i mean and- i can
0: totally see a director doing that now that you mentioned it like i give it like two years before you get a fucking cirque de soleil movie well,
1: ma- well maybe cats
0: yeah. stopped that Let's i fucking hope so because i i'm it's fucking the
1: images are flashing before my head i, I picture some fucking now, boss really director it's like how did this movie fail don't get me wrong, I would love to see a Cirque du Soleil film that's centered around the performers and there was like a story and like what they go through as perf- like if there was like a story to it I would love to watch that. I feel like that'd be really entertaining. Like an inside look on like what it's like to be a circus performer with like a really deep story. What's the uh,
0: the naked Cirque du Soleil? It's like Fantasia or something like that? That's Disney, bro. No, there's like a, yeah. naked, there's a naked Cirque du Soleil. I remember as a kid like Always like, oh, like that's for the adults. Like never like seeing the ad for ads for it
1: in Vegas. Because I'd go to Vegas a ton when I was a kid. Oh, I, that's just Vegas. There. I mean, that's just like a Vegas show.
0: But they had no, but it was like the same company that they started from oh. Soleil. It's like a Oh, Zumanity.
1: Zoom Yes! That's the fucking one. Is would like to see that. Like, think, of it, like, think of it like this way. If you made a story, a movie about ballet, it could be like cats but you look at like a movie like black swan that like took the blanket of ballet, but it's really about like her as a performer. And like that, that, that is really intriguing. You know what I mean? So I feel like I would love to see a Cirque du Soleil movie that was like that, but if there's no like deep story to it, or there's not like a crazy intensity to it, it's going to come off stupid. Agreed. I I, Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't want to see a Cirque du Soleil movie with Chicago. Mm -hmm. I see bright lights. I
0: see good music. I see fun stuff. And I enjoy it. That's, that's pretty much how I viewed the movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's good. It was entertaining. It's a really entertaining film. Yeah. And I'm not the biggest fan of musicals. Like, I, I, I like my fair share. Uh, but it's not my first drama to pick. Not by any means. Uh, Chicago's really fun. It's a really fun movie with a really awesome soundtrack and a fucking kick-ass stellar cast. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. I think the colors of the movie, the razzle, the dazzles, they want to say it it comes off really well in Chicago. And I wanted to touch on what you said, Dan, kind of how 90% of the musicals that you see suck or whatever. And it's like that other 10%, they're always like in like the Academy Award or Golden Globe discussion. Like you have La La Land and you have, uh, I guess, Les Mis in Chicago. And then you have really high quality ones, kind of like Mamma Mia, but then you have these really big downer ones like cats what we'll talk about but i mean it's cool when the plot actually comes to fruition and becomes a a really good movie that uh people want to see and watch over and over again Mm
1: -hmm. yeah because even you know with it it's like as much as the music is enjoyable you still are invested in the story you still like want to know what's going to happen next you know it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of musicals sometimes i feel like the whole point of it is the music Mm -hmm. and that's why i like chicago because it's like you could take the music out of it, it would still be a really intriguing story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like about these crazy women that- I, I
0: think <laughs> it's the director, I don't know who the director
1: is. Rob Marshall, he's yeah. a pretty renowned director, especially when it comes to musicals. He obviously did Chicago. He did the, the Mary Poppins remake. Mm. He did, um, he produced on Les Mis- he, he's, he's like usually the musical man.
0: I think he did a spectacular job not only adapting this screenplay, I don't know the best way to put it, uh, to the big screen, but again, creating a piece of media that works so well within that musical niche that tells a compelling story that is entertaining. But there's so many moving parts where you can like see it at face value and you're just like, it's a good movie. But there's a lot that went into it to make it even viewable. And I, th- I think the director's commendable for that. Because uh, not every movie uh, succeeds like that. A lot of movies will flop. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts and I think he
1: knocked it out the ballpark. There's like, it's a reason it's a fucking classic. you know? It's a reason it's the be- best picture. I feel like that's one of the best pictures that for me makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I also wanted to touch on real quick before we get into a review... Um, Kind of bouncing off of what you said, Frankie. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, not only with movies but with musicals, they can easily come off very jarring, and like they can come off very cheesy. Like when they break out into song, even you know, musicals like Mamma Mia that are so fun to watch, it comes off so cheesy sometimes. Yeah. And it comes off, and I just feel like Chicago does a really good job holding that serious tone, even when they break out into song. It doesn't feel like the fuck, you know. What yeah. I mean? it doesn't feel like <laughs> an out of place moment which i'd say 90 percent of movie musicals run into that issue where it's like doesn't feel as seamless to like break out in song or if it it does it also feels cheesy yeah Mm -hmm. i I think they did a good job keeping it a drama
0: yeah i really liked it uh but i'm ready to get into my favorite characters and my review for the film if you
2: guys are yeah let's do uh
0: take it away chase
2: so for me we're just doing favorite characters right now yeah All right, for me, I wanted to go with the man, Richard Gere, uh, playing Billy Finn, uh, the slick uh, attorney. Um, And one of the things that I like that he said in the film that I was reading online is, uh, if Jesus Christ had lived in Chicago and if he had $5,000 and had come to me, things would have turned out differently. (laughs) <laughs> and I I just thought that was clever but I think I love Richard Gere in almost every movie so it was kind of fun to see him and a uh I usually I see him in chick flicks right and then you kind of see him in a really critically acclaimed movie that wins awards and it's a it was a good time so I really did like him as Billy Flynn yeah, he's really eclectic super fun mm-hmm.
1: I love his intro song where he's like singing about all he cares about is love while simultaneously mm. you're just getting a montage after montage of him being a sleazy lawyer that's just only out for money and it's just like i think it's just done super well yeah mm-hmm. it's awesome um my turn yep. yep but my turn is uh maybe a little cliche for chicago fans out there it's katherine zeta jones character velma kelly she actually won the best supporting actress role award for this in the awesome. oscars and I just think she's amazing. I, I love Katherine Zeta-Jones already in most mm-hmm. roles that she does. Mm-hmm. But in this one, <laughs> I just think she's so captivating. Like when she's on the screen, I can't help but just look at her. I think her voice is phenomenal. She's super good in this role. And I feel like she just, in many ways, it's, a, it's kind of like about Renee Zellweger. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like she makes the character an equal contender. Because if you go see the Chicago show... Renee's character is very much the focal point. Whereas in the movie version, I feel like they are very much equal parts. And I feel like that's a testament to how Catherine Zeta-Jones played it. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah. I liked it. <laughs> My favorite
0: character is Amos Hart, played by the one and only John C. Riley. Uh, I was surprised when I saw this movie, how fucking, because I think I saw this movie the first time when we were in the house together and i was surprised back i then. made
1: you go through like a little musical binge where like i was yeah. like all right new musical every day and you were like yeah. <laughs> i think we watched
0: jersey boy chicago and moulin rouge and it was, it was, it was really uh john c Riley has always stood out to me was like damn like this guy can act he's fucking funny he can sing and he's got a pretty decent singing voice too uh and his character in the film just kind of being the uh the dim-witted husband of the murderer who's getting played, uh, I thought was fucking incredible, and I, I just love him throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He's really, he's he's really just great comedic relief.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, what's your review, Chase?
2: So for me, I thought I, I really like this movie, and you know, when I think most musicals, I think bad. I'd rather see it on stage, and I mean. And this movie has acting. It has actors and actresses that play a very good part. It has just great uh, – uh, the colors, like we said, the vibrant. And then just touching the story, they made it an interesting story. Oh, I'm sorry. Is someone texting us on the, the chat again? Because I, I keep hearing sounds.
1: I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything.
2: Okay. Um, but for me, Sorry. Uh, For me, I really liked it. Um, It's definitely an easy watch again for any musical category for me, if I'm going to watch one. And for that, I just give it a straight eight. I guess an eight, eight would be a good high score for me.
1: Nice. That's, hey, that makes me feel good. That's higher than I thought you were going to rate it uh, before finding out that you've already seen this movie and you enjoyed it. So that's a good rating for sure. Cause When I first said Chicago, I didn't know you'd seen it, and I was like, I don't think Chase is gonna like this. <laughs> You want me to go next? Uh yeah, if you want. Yeah, so I really like the movie.
0: Uh it's really entertaining. It's a movie that if someone said, Yeah, you want Chicago, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably down. Uh and it's one of the better musicals I have seen, if not one of the best musicals I've seen. Uh again, musical's not my favorite genre of film. Uh so the rating it's getting for me is just a straight nine zero. That's based off mostly the importance it's had within the genre, the technicality, and the kind of precision from the director and how well he kind of juggled this film and made it what it is. Uh, and I still really enjoyed it. That's great review. Give it an A.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel right not giving it a 9 because if it's one of the best musicals I've seen, it's, it's at least a 9, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mine's going to be probably like, I'm just thinking about this now, but I'm probably going to give it like a nine, three, nine, four. Like, like I said before, I'm a huge musical guy. I love movie musicals, even the bad ones. Typically I end up enjoying. Um, and so for me, this is probably like a nine, four, just because growing up, this was a huge movie for me. It really kind of shaped my love for the arts growing up. I like was heavily involved in theater. And I have to heavily credit that to Chicago, because if I wasn't, you know, five years old being like, what is this? I probably would have never developed that bug as quickly mm-hmm. as I did. Um, so I just love this movie. And so it's a 9-4 it's for me. Awesome. Well, that's our review of Chicago. Uh, honestly, pretty
0: spoiler free. I mean, everything we talked about, most people know. It's if a 20 year
1: old film. I mean, yeah.
0: If you haven't seen it uh, and you like musicals, go ahead and watch it. If you don't like musicals, I still think it's worth a watch, personally. I really, it's, a, it's a really enjoyable film with a fucking awesome soundtrack.
1: I find that even people that don't like musicals still end up liking this movie. Yep. Yeah. It, it's that's, got the story to back.
2: That's me. So I don't enjoy musicals to hear the rest of my views, but this is easily one that kept my attention and made me enjoy it.
0: Yeah, definitely my favorite of the bunch. The next film we're going into, and spoiler alert, my second favorite of the bunch, it is 2014's Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys. If you don't know, it's the story of four young whippersnappers from the wrong side of the tracks in New Jersey who came together to form the iconic 1960s rock group. I think it's considered rock.
1: It's the 60s. I mean, rock. The Four
0: 60s. Seasons. Uh, it's
1: about Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Uh, I did not know they're considered a rock group. It's the '60s. I mean, rock in the '60s was different than rock in these days.
2: Rock was the only thing in the '60s, dude. <laughs> yeah, literally. I guess <laughs> there isn't a pop. I guess, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood's a bit hit or miss. You know, not all of his movies are great. Uh, this one is enjoyable for me too. Uh, I will be honest, though, I liked it a lot more the first time I saw it when I was in the house than the second time I watched it here in quarantine. Uh but if you like the four seasons you're going to love this movie because the the story is really enter- engaging um there's a lot of drama and just tension uh with these groups because again they they've kind of gone through some shit uh and they're uh not the most stellar examples of character <laughs> in their past they're uh, they're
1: men from new jersey i mean
0: <laughs> yeah the joes uh <laughs> So there's a lot of engaging stuff here uh, and it can be really entertaining at times. Uh, That being said, it's not better than Chicago in my book because it struggles a little in that juggling act between being a good musical and having an engaging story and having great acting and kind of putting all of these components together on the big screen in a satisfying way. And that's not to say the movie isn't satisfying. uh, It just, isn't as seamless with that
1: juggling act as Chicago is. Let me get into my portion first, because I think we all know that Chase's is not going to be the best. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done, so it doesn't sound redundant. But I love this film. I want to kind of bounce off of what you were saying. I do agree that the acting is not the best in this film. It's pretty obvious. The one thing I think I appreciate is the fan service that Clint Eastwood did to musical theater people. Because everybody Mm -hmm. he casted in this film, for the most part, is either the original cast member on Broadway or somebody who has at some point played the role on Broadway. Really? So that aspect to me, I appreciate. And I find that, you know, for me as a musical theater buff, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, because it's these people that did it, you know? So I just, but I can, when I step outside of that, I can acknowledge they're musical th- theater trained actors. They're not film trained actors. So it's not the best in terms of um, like, I don't know what the right word is. It, it, it comes off very staged. You know, like their their yeah. their reactions, their emotions. It comes off very theatrical. Which, if you're going into this film without any of those pre-connotations in mind, it's not probably going to come off as the bestly acted film. That being said, though, love the music in it. I think the music in this movie is so good, and it's like it's that music where you hear it and you're just like, oh man, like, yeah, good song, yeah. Yeah. good song. Um, which is why I love it, and I also just want to touch on like my favorite moment i think that the 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 whole scenes surrounding his daughter are are Mm -hmm. just super well done like if i got to pick one part of the film that i thought was not only acted well but written well i think it's the whole sequences surrounding his daughter spoiler alert she overdoses it's really sad she grows up in a really toxic environment her mother is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole complicated scenario, but the mother is a, basically a single mother because he's on the road, and so she's an alcoholic, and the daughter just does not have a chance, and it's really sad, and it's, it's heartbreaking, and the song that he sings with it, uh, My Eyes Adored You, is like one of the saddest songs I've ever heard in my life, so that being said, love this film, take I it think- over the face. I'll go. Go, go. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna kind of just build off that. I think it does a really great job at bringing the music of the Four Seasons to to the, the center stage. It does such an awesome job incorporating mm-hmm. these songs and creating a story around this music, similar to how Mamma Mia is with ABBA's collection of music. Uh and John Lloyd Young as Frankie Valli, in my opinion, fucking steals the show and makes this movie. Mm-hmm. He is. Absolutely incredible in the world as Frankie Valley and has one of the best voices I've ever fucking heard. Like, his And, voice and, and, and so it bad.
1: makes sense because he created it in a sense.
2: Really? So yeah.
1: He, he, was the, he was, so he's one of the examples as the original cast member back in 2004. I think it came out. I in, saw right? he
0: wanted uh, Tony in 2006, is what he do you wanted. To- so it came
1: out in 2006. Um, and so for me, it's like, I can't even critique his role because I'm like, only he knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so,
2: you know, but yeah. yeah, he's awesome. So for me, I wanted to like this movie. You know, I love uh, Clint Eastwood. I almost any movies in, but when it comes to his directing, it, he has. I'm just looking at his filmography right now on my computer, and it's just it's so watered down with all the movies he does. So, and especially this this that year, he had Jersey Boys, American Sniper, and then he had Sully the next year. So he had three movies. So it's like, oh, is he film. Yeah, what? he directed that. I did not know that solely was so, Sully. Solely American Sniper, Jersey Boys within a, a year span. And it's just like, that's a lot of movies and that's a lot of um, like, are you paying attention? Are you doing it right? And then that's what comes to what for me with Jersey Boys is I, like you said, I didn't care for the acting at all. I thought it was actually really bad. And um, I'd love to see this film as a musical i'd like to go see it on broadway i think i would enjoy it so much because the the music is great like i could easily put it on my phone and just listen to frankie valley you know blast some tunes but when it comes to the actual acting i just you're right they're stage actors they're not meant to be on a big screen on hollywood and that's kind of what for me what ruins it and the, i think the only thing that kept me interested in the film was i guess just the at the music um but I mean, besides that, it, it, it's still very well done. But it's not it's just the worst not film i have ever seen. No, no definitely not. Definitely. not. I, no, it's still a good film, but it's just not... I, I don't think I'll... No, I probably won't see it again, uh, but I, I do want to see it on Broadway.
1: Were you a sure. fan of American Sniper? Never saw it. Really? Yeah, I don't care for it.
2: Um, I, well, I saw was... it
1: once, and I think the main reason I enjoyed it was because of Bradley Cooper. I like mm-hmm. him as an actor, but I, I don't think I don't think that was a very good film.
0: I had it exposed to me that he killed himself. I was just like, oh, well.
2: Yeah, well, if you you could take this out, but he's really not a good person either. Yeah. So it's, yeah.
0: That's a Clint Eastwood sort of for you, baby.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You guys want to get into our uh, favorite character? I think this will be a pretty short section. Yeah, I think we can all say it at the same time. One. <laughs> we can all One, two, see each other. three. Three. Three.
0: Uh, he makes the movie he is mm-hmm. fucking awesome he has such an incredible voice he uh, I don't know what Frankie Valli like, his mannerisms were like in real life but it's what I would picture Frankie Valley acting like uh, and the voice is almost inseparable like it's mm-hmm. so hard to tell the difference between the two and he is just he carries this film fucking
1: hard he mm-hmm. really is what makes this movie worth watching Mm -hmm. And he, he, he's one of those rare cases that usually people do like one to two years on Broadway, It's eight shows a week, they get Monday off, that's it. So it's like a very intense lifestyle to live. So usually Mm -hmm. people do one, maybe two years if they're like, in a really successful show and getting paid a lot. Frankie Valli, uh, John Lloyd Young has done it for over seven years on and off, like continuously comes back to it because it's almost impossible to like replace it and so he is like you know there's like cases of like people that it's like oh my god they're still riding this train like come on dude he's not one of those cases where people feel that way because it's like he's the only one who can do it so it doesn't ever feel like he's like oh man he's still on the frankie valley train like come on (laughs) people don't feel that way with him because he's just so good wouldn't that get
0: boring as an actor
1: I, feel like I be- think if you love it so much, though, if it's, like, your home, it's your role, you have so much connection to it, like, he probably just loves it. He probably yeah. loves that. that sounds exhausting. It can't be the money because it doesn't matter how big you are on Broadway. You don't get paid what people think they do. So, yeah. like, it's not the money. <laughs> that I'll tell you that right now. It's not the money that's keeping him coming back. Yeah. I think it's uh, definitely deserving it of that, Tony, because uh, he
0: absolutely makes that film. Uh, but I'll get into my review for the movie uh, and give it my my rating. Uh, it's an enjoyable film. Uh, it's definitely not Clint Eastwood's best work. It's probably not his worst work either. He's kind of a hit or miss director. Sue me if you want. Uh, I don't
1: think anyone's going to be offended by that.
0: Yeah, he, he he can definitely, like he's had a few good, great films, but not all of it's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think there's some glaring issues with, the acting, in particular, because again, it doesn't translate super well. It's going to get a seven point five for me. Uh, I would rewatch it if it was my first view; probably like an eight point five. Uh, but I definitely noticed a lot of the flaws on second viewing, a few years after that. And the reason why it's so high is the music is fucking incredible. If you like the four seasons, you're going to like the movie. That's how it is for me.
2: Definitely, I uh, I think if you grew up on the eastern seaboard if you grew up in jersey or new york or just anywhere in that area i think especially around that time you this is your movie right you're italian or whatever you're gonna dig jersey boys for me i grew up in freaking phoenix far away i'm not even italian <laughs> uh, so jersey boy it's not my thing and i think if i watched this movie six years ago i probably would have liked it a lot but i think now that we kind of watch movies in this being my first time it's like looking at like i'm not a critic i'm not even close to a critic but like <laughs> like thinking about it that way right it's and then thinking about the uh the director and everything i think uh i would like it a lot And i think i was just turned down but i'm gonna give it a six five um so don't hate me dan but uh <laughs> that's um what i think about it but i i really do love the music and and i a couple i think it was like a month or two ago there was, was some radio station started playing you know the four seasons like oh yeah i like this i like this oh they're incredible yeah
1: so That's I'll go it. into mine. I don't want my cre- credibility to be shot by this. <laughs> I'm, aware, I'm aware that there's a lot of moving issues with it. Most of my rating comes from like I said, appreciation for the, the fan service that this movie paid. But also the nostalgia. Jersey Boys was like the second live show I saw at like six years old in San Francisco. Oh, nice. So like since six years old, I've been like kind of obsessed with this group. And so when they announced that a movie was coming, it was like the greatest thing for me and so like it's like one of those things where it's like i know it's not that good but i refuse to like say that out loud so i'm gonna give it an 8-4 purely for like say it with your heart give me your heart's answer it is an 8-4 baby it's an 8-4 all
2: right i can take that
0: awesome and now for the fun part of our review the best movie in the episode
2: i'm gonna get comfortable (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh fuck this is oh me. god if i drank i would need a fucking glass right about now <laughs> we're gonna be doing cats take it away daniel
2: when you fall on your head do you land on your feet
0: or are you tense when you sense there's a storm in the air can you find your way blind when you're lost in the street, do you know how
2: to go to the heavy side layer? Because Jellicles can and Jellicles do. Jellicles do and Jellicles can. Jellicles can and jellicals do. Jellicles do and Jellicles can. Jellicles can.
1: and All right, do. so we decided to watch cats because. We had to see. We had to see for our own eyes. We've seen the reviews. We've heard the complaints. But we had to see it for our own eyes. Like, could it really be that bad? We knew it was going to be that bad. If I'm being completely honest, the criteria for this episode was (laughs) highest rated, fan favorite, and lowest rated. So that's where Cats came into play. That's why we chose it, because it is the lowest rated musical and probably, like, movie in the last (laughs) at least five years. Um... Just a quick synopsis if you're unfamiliar. <laughs> a tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heavyside lair and come back to a new Jellicle life. Uh, cracking that down, it's about reincarnation. Is that like the nine lives of cats? Like, ha ha, funny. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, this movie fucking sucks.
0: I just had to get that out there. I had to fucking say it. This movie fucking sucks. It's really fucking bad. I have been waiting six months to say this shit. And I'm fucked. Cats is a terrible fucking movie. Frankie, get closer to your mic. It is a horrible fucking movie. It is... It gave me anxiety. I had to fucking take an anxiety pill because of this fucking movie. That's a fucking...
2: It's the worst movie I've ever seen, I think. Um, (laughs) And I've seen a lot of bad movies. I know for a fact this is the worst movie I've seen all year and probably the last few years. And I've, maybe I've seen... Twilight I just, oh, this year. That's the so, thing. This so is, the
1: question is, Is are you watching Breaking Down Part 1 over this?
2: I'm watching every Twilight over... I'd watch 10 hours of Twilight before I ever watched this movie again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like really so bad that it's good. It's just straight fucking terrible, unwatchable. It makes you feel fucking uncomfortable. It's just... Oh God, it's so... I was just like, oh, it's like, they're, I guess they're, they're weird looking cats with weird suits. It's
1: fucking terrible. So what I was saying earlier about like how sometimes musicals don't translate well, that's this film, you know, like cats. The thing that bums me out, I've seen cats live. <laughs> and as someone who loves musical theater, who, lo- who like really appreciates like the art of dance, Cats is phenomenal. Like I think that those dancers in that show, the live show are so phenomenal and it's regarded to this day as one of the hardest shows to be a part of because it's eight shows a week, two hours of just dancing nonstop. Like I've seen videos on YouTube of dancers with their bones popping out of their ankles because they fuck up on stage and it's like ruining their lives. This is like regarded as one of the hardest shows to be on because it's so intense. And so it's a bummer to me that they've like really disturbed the name of Cats with this film. Because if you, ask, if you asked most musical theater people prior to this film, they would probably not have very many mean things to say about Cats. It won the Tony in the 80s for Best Musical. It's been revived five different times. It's, it's very regarded as like, you know, a great show to see live. You know, it's an experience. It's phenomenal. And they just like took it and they like, they didn't ruin it. They fucking destroyed any future reputation of cats like and it sucks because i saw a podcast that was talking about this and it's like it sucks because they could never revive this musical on broadway at least for the next like 10 to 15 years because it's like a joke now when it used to be like Cirque du Soleil it's like a fucking phenomenal thing that you can see live and instead now it's like that cats. That stupid ass show. And it's like, what? <laughs> that sucks to all the years that this show has built a reputation for.
0: The, the, what I'm thinking of is the look at what they've done to my boy. Is pretty much what this fucking movie is. You have Chicago, which is the prodigious child who is juggling, who knows how to play the piano, who does who's the perfect violinist. You know, you know, is that a fucking? He <laughs> gets straight A's. Yeah, and straight then days. you have fucking cats. The dumb stepchild, the, step he's the child. druggy
1: son, the druggy son who gets like F's. He gets detention every day. He drools when he sleeps.
0: You know, he fucking eats dry ramen in his fucking house and fucking puts. Wait, uh, so are
1: we just describing you? Sh- he,
0: he puts <laughs> cheese on top of his grilled cheese sandwiches. Pours a bunch of fucking spices on it. Doesn't know what the fuck
1: he's doing. That's, that's cats. The pizza with plastic on it in the oven. (laughs) That's, that's fucking cats. And
0: it's so bad. It's laughable, but watching it is not laughable. Watching it is unbearable.
2: (laughs) Well, and it's especially the, the special effects that make it so bad. Like if this movie didn't like go into full detail of having these creepy looking animals as a character with the human faces and i uh, i think it'd be a little better but it it, it didn't do that that's, it another,
1: that's another shame because cats wins constant awards for their makeup and costumes they're known as like one of those musicals that has stellar makeup and costumes and they like took that whole um, element and like shat on it you know like you guys know how hamilton was released on disney plus as like mm-hmm. a movie version of the live show yeah that's the only way to do Hamilton. If you tried to make a serious movie of Hamilton, it would, it would be the most laughable thing in the world. If you were like watching actual founding fathers fighting and singing at the same time, it yeah. would not work. And that's how they should have made Cats. If they wanted to make a film version of Cats, it should have been a live-staged
2: version. And they've done that too. Yeah.
1: Which is why they didn't even need to do this. <laughs> like, this was just not needed in the slightest way. I would have preferred to see a fifth Annie than this. It makes it made me really uncomfortable. The CGI
0: is just horrid. The acting is pathetic, and there is zero semblance of a plot. Like, what the fuck is a there, you
2: know what's? Oh, go for it.
0: No, it's just uh, there's there's so much fucking going on here. It's terrible.
2: Uh, you know what's funny is I was just looking at the director. His name's Tom Hooper. He directed *Lay Miss*. Like and then and then he went from that eight years ago to cats, mm-hmm. and like, how how do you do that? Like, I I think this guy or whoever the producers were for this movie, they think that, um, they could get all these well-known actors or um comedian James Corden or um singers like in, like Taylor Swift and like oh people are gonna love this, but it, it was just the biggest flop of all time. I don't know who saw this movie and thought, said this is gonna be good. People are gonna like this. Well, There's that's people.
1: The thing too-
0: Oh, there's people who watch this movie and like it because it's bad, but I can't even get behind that because of how just off-putting the film is.
1: I was going to say, that's the thing. That's a perfect point, Chase, is like they definitely thought that and this movie was doomed for disaster from the jump because the moment they, I, you know, a lot of pages I follow on Twitter are like Playbill.com, Broadway.com. Like I follow a lot of those pages and the moment that cast was announced, Everybody was pissed because nobody wants to see a Broadway musical with non-professionally trained Broadway actors. Like nobody wants to see that. And they keep literally they keep shoving James Corden down our throats in every fucking musical. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know who said he was good in this, but that, that's not who we want to see. And it's like when you don't even have the musical theater com- community behind you, this movie was destined for disaster from the jump. I remember, like, because it came out in Christmas. I remember, like, back into the summer, they announced the cast, and instantly people were pissed. And I was like, "That's it. That's that's it right there. The musical theater company or uh, community doesn't even want to get behind this. That's it. Like, that's it. Like, this movie is not going to do well."
2: It was well, doomed mem- from the start. Well, remember we we talked about the trailer on our podcast. We we could go back in time and look at it, and I think when we so it was probably yeah June or July of last year. We probably saw this and we're, we're like what the hell is this? Like, none of us thought it looked good. I think we mm-hmm. all just knew it was going to be bad right away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like, you know how they, they fixed Sonic because a lot of people complain about the look of it.
1: Yeah. It looked incredible
2: like, if they fixed it. Yeah. And it, people actually enjoyed it, right? What, what if that happened with this? Like last July? Well, that's like, the this thing. Looks they like they shit. apparently
1: did fix it. Remember? It was like, in the- <laughs> yeah, <and then laughs> they did work away, on it actually. They, like worked on it, but then mm-hmm. they released it again and it was like, still just as bad. Like, did you do anything at all? If- or did you just say that? If
0: they fixed yeah. it, it would maybe be like half a point higher from what I'm going to give it. It's really, that's honestly, in my opinion, the least of its problems. If your movie is supposed to be like a comedy, and it, it's not, I guess, I don't even know what the fuck genre it is outside of a musical. If it's supposed to be fucking something that's not or... supposed to like, get me freaked out, and I'm like freaking out because of just how bad it is, like Jesus fucking Christ. It is such a fucking... Failure. I, you, if you have noticed, I haven't been cursing very much this podcast. I am angry that I spent two hours of my time watching this film. It is such a laughably horrible movie. The cast... Doesn't know what they're doing. It feels like a complete cash grab. Now that you say it's the director of Lem is honestly in my head, that makes perfect sense because what they're trying to do with Jennifer Hudson is fucking make her Anne Hathaway 2.0 and like just fucking milk those cow titties for money. Like they're just trying to fucking get as much money as humanly possible. So like, let's throw Gandalf in there. Let's throw that fat guy who does the car singing. You know, let's just like fucking throw all these people. Oh, Rebel Wilson, Pitch Perfect. Let's get her in there. And it's just, it's
1: bad. It is straight up bad, and you know, it's super bad. And like, I I feel like, the, one of the worst parts is like they spent all this like money on these cat on this cast because you know to have people like that I'm sure it wasn't a, a cheap cast. Oh, wow. And it's like half of them don't even sing well. Half of them don't even sing well. Like I remember the Jason Derulo uh number that he does.
0: <laughs> I forgot about him.
1: If you listen to the real version. It. it, it the real version, he's like, like belting out. And Jason Dorillo's not a musically trained singer, so he can't like belt. You yep. know, he's an mm-hmm. R&B singer. His style is different. It didn't even come off good. I'm like, they spend all this money on this cast and the music doesn't even sound good. Yep. Like if yeah. anything, make the music sound good, at least. And the, like the Taylor Swift number, terrible. terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. She's not a musically trained singer. She can't even have a vibrato. She like whispers half the time she sings. And it's just like, who, who did this? Who did this? It's a slap in the face to Andrew Lloyd Webber, the creator of Cats. Yeah, I was like, it's just
0: just it's disrespectful. To, yeah.
2: to be, you it know, is- I, I wanted to touch on the the marketing on this movie, so you know how much money was put into this movie oh, and God. what they got make- out of it. Okay, so this is this is the budget of the movie. It they don't even have an exact number because I think they're too embarrassed to say how much they actually <laughs> put into it. <laughs> but it says on Wikipedia between eighty. 80- to a hundred million dollars they spent on this movie, you could get a freaking Michael Bay film for that much money, and at least to be to make money
0: back, you know?
2: Yeah, and guess what? They made at the box office seventy five point five billion or million. Sorry, and you can't even blame COVID or anything for that. Like they, they made just much? horrible. I thought they, they, they didn't so much less. They, well, they lost money, and then they deserved to lose this, more. But this is what people talk are even talking about. That's not even including the marketing that they spent on it. They spent 115 million dollars on marketing. So you add that up, it's over 200 million dollars spent on this movie, and they only made 75 million. They lost 120 million dollars. None oh, of those people are getting paid. More. They deserve that's- to lose so
1: much more. Yeah, than- literally, none of those people are getting paid straight up.
2: No, they lost, the, the studio lost $120 million. That's ridiculous. You can't even blame it on a pandemic or anything. It was just that bad of a movie.
0: Yeah, it was terrible. It's disrespectful. It's one of the worst movies I've seen. It's on the short list with like Breaking Dawn Part 1 and like The Son of the Mask.
1: And you know, the thing is, is like for the last decade, fans have been, fans of musical theater, have been like petitioning for a movie version of Wicked. It's like all anybody wants and only in the last like 10 months are people like, I don't know if we want that actually. Like, I don't know if we want them to ruin this legacy. Like, cause they would ruin it. Like, do we want a movie version of wicked actually? Cause it's perfect the way it is now. Like, I don't know if we want this. It's just, it's a shame, you know, it's such a shame.
0: I feel like this is what happens when you let money influence your creative decisions Because it's so blatant how much... For me personally, this is being super nerdy and like a gamer, it's almost like how Activision just milks Call of Duty and they put out these shitty games year after year just because they know they're going to make money. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. They're regarded as one of the worst fucking companies in the goddamn business. And it's just because they're so bad. They don't give a fuck about anything other than money. And that's what this film is. It's not like they made this out of like the respect for the work or the care for the the craft you know
1: they wanted to make money it's not like jersey boys it's like a film that wasn't necessarily the best but there was so much time and like energy yeah like energy you know like so much um homage and you know all that was put into it still that you're like okay well they tried you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. translate that well but they they still tried to fucking respect that musical you know what i mean like this one was like I don't know. It's like somebody saw Cats, hated it, and then was like, let's make a terrible movie about this.
2: Yeah. And then to add on to that, just like the acting portion of the movie, like whoever consulted on this film should never be able to to do a film ever again. Like they should be banned or barred from Hollywood to like ever do anything because I just think of like the actors there in this movie, like they're big name stars for some reason. Like Taylor Swift is a huge, you know, singer, which is granted deserved. But what, she's not an actress. Like, have you seen it's Valentine's really Day?
1: Because, like she loves cats. Like yeah. she like has cats in real life. And so I mm-hmm. think somebody was like, Oh, she owns like ten cats. Let's just throw her in the movie Cats. And, and there's like, the Swifties,
0: yeah. you know, they're gonna go buy tickets. They're gonna
2: well, yeah, people like that. I mean they like,
1: used her for sure, yeah.
2: But like Rebel Wilson, like the worst character in Pitch Perfect, like James Corden, annoying. Like uh, uh, Idris Elba, like I don't know, it's just I don't I they, like it's Jennifer big was. names, but that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. It's big names, and yeah. that's it. Like none of them have ever like, besides like Judy Dench. It's like surprising that she said yes to this for me because she's like a great actress. And also Ian McKellen. It's surprising to me that he said yes to this. It's like, dude, you were in Lord of the Rings, man. Like why <laughs> would you ever do cats? Like you're, you've made enough money to just retire. Like you don't need to do cats. Like you don't need to do that. Like, like you're old, bro. Like take a rest. Take that
2: Gandalf <laughs> paycheck and stay home, man. Yeah.
1: Go, stay home and eat. Like, yeah. that's it. Man. Like, what are you doing cats for, man? Like sh- I'd love to hear his reaction
0: to cats. Cause I'm just thinking of the the connected away, whatever it is, the podcast with uh Olaf when he did the Lord of the Rings reunion. Oh, uh
1: reunited apart.
0: Yeah. I was thinking, like, Ian McKellen. I was like, oh, my heart's so warm because like, he's, he's such a sweet man. But, uh,
1: yeah, he did Cats. And a lot of people did Cats. And it fucking Whoever, sucks. Like, every single one of those actors needs to fire their agent. Yep, every single one. Like, yeah. whatever manager said, this is going to be great for your career. Fire them now. Like, they were, sh- they were sabotaging you.
2: Yeah,
0: I uh, think we've said enough about this movie. And I
2: got to do one more. The, the awards they won.
0: Oh, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear the these
1: Razzies.
2: Awards. So at the Razzies, this, they they almost swept, dude. They freaking <laughs> uh, at the Razzies. Like, uh, they, they won Worst Picture, Worst Director. Uh, worst Supporting Actress James Corden won. Worst Supporting Actress Rebel Wilson won. Uh, Judy Dench was also nominated. Um, worst Screenplay, they won. Worst Screen Combo, they won with... Uh, any two half feline half human hair balls category they had to make a category <laughs> yeah. for how bad it was uh, at the hawaii films critics society they won worst film of the year i mean it, it, the gold i've never even heard of the golden schmoes award but they won worst movie of the year there too like it's not even just the worst movie of the year it's the worst movie of the decade the worst movie of like my lifetime I guess.
1: my lifetime i will
2: i
0: will say one thing i swear
2: to fucking god if in the next 20
0: years, there's a group of fucking Zoomers or fucking kids that make this a cult classic film because it's so bad, it's good. I'm going to fucking blow my brains out. I, I will fucking kill every single one I mean, of those honestly, children.
1: Actually, that, that is not super unlikely. When you look at films like the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: That's a good movie, though.
1: No, but when that movie came out, Frankie, like you're you're the boomer that's sitting there <laughs> saying it's a cult classic. When that movie came out, it won every award for worst film of the year. Like the Rocky Horror Picture Show was hated when it I did.
0: think c- comparing them in a vacuum to each other, I would take Rocky Horror a hundred times out of a hundred over Cats.
1: Same. I, I actually enjoy Rocky Horror.
0: Yeah, it's not my favorite. It's it's kind of off putting. It's in the same way, but it's got some fucking character. It's got some fucking. It's not a cat. There's something behind that movie. And there's a reason people fucking love it. Uh, Cats fucking sucks. Uh, none of us have a favorite character. You win nothing. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I'm gonna fucking, I'm probably gonna edit this in. If you guys have seen uh, Billy Madison, when they're during doing the uh, like academic academicathlon, whatever the fuck, and uh, he tells Billy how he failed the question. I'm gonna find the quote.
2: That's that's good. When well, you look for that, um, I I liked uh, Jason Derulo how after the movie he complained that they had to edit out his penis because it was too big for the cat costume. <laughs> so that's my favorite character. Oh,
1: that's, oh you brought you brought up a good point that I was gonna say. The other thing about this movie is like the continuity is not there. One minute there's like shoes that are the size of cats, and then there's like human shoes that are huge,
2: mm-hmm. and then there's
1: like chairs that are for cats and then there's chairs that are for humans and like none of the world makes sense none of the atmosphere makes sense one minute they're on a stage that's huge that's like sized for cats and the next minute they're on a stage that's like perfectly sized for them and it's like it i'm like is one minute the world shrinking the one and then the next minute it's like growing like the world does not make sense at all. There's a laundry list of things terrible with this They movie. have hats on the ground that are human-sized, hats on their head that are cat-sized. I don't understand it. Why are they wearing fur? That's what I want to know. Why is Judy Dench wearing a fur coat? Whose fur coat is that? Was that-, <laughs> Was that another cat? Like, where does a cat get a fur coat? I don't understand. This is just... I don't understand. You live in a cat society. <laughs> and I think I brought this up. Jason Derulo or uh, Idris Elba, straight up looked naked like, yeah it wasn't even like he looked mm-hmm. no no like i thought there was a scene where he was butt ass naked but it was just like the fur matched mm-hmm. him perfectly but it was like so off-putting he looked butt ass naked
0: yep Agreed. Uh, the quote from Billy Madison, it's when they're talking about the Industrial Revolution, is Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. And that is my feeling on this movie. Fuck this movie. Do we even give it a rating?
2: I'm giving it a rating.
0: It doesn't deserve a rating, but I guess we'll fucking give it you one. You gotta give it a rating. It doesn't deserve one, but let's fucking... No, fuck we it.
1: have to. So I'll start. Um, For me, this is like a probably... I'm going to say a 0.
2: 0.7. Wow. Oh. You're higher than me. No, you're higher than me.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Uh, I'm a 0. 0.5, and honestly, it might be lower. Uh, The only reason it's not lower is I still can't make up in my mind whether or not I'd rather watch this or breaking down part one. It's probably honestly, I don't know. Call this recency bias, but it's a point three. What
1: did you rate breaking down part one?
0: Point five out of 10.
1: So you're, you would rather watch breaking Dawn?
0: Honestly.
2: Yeah. Point three. Yeah. I, if I was caged in like in a chain to something, I would rather watch the twilight series than watch this movie ever again. If I was starving, I whatever um, this movie, I feel too bad giving it a, a zero. So I'm going to go to 0.1. Like, it's the worst movie I've seen. I'd never want to watch it again. And the sad part is I'm probably going to watch it again. And I'm regretting just thinking about it. At I'm the never
1: going to watch this movie again. So I feel me. like uh, realistically I probably will one day.
2: Mm-hmm. Hopefully not for a long time. Oh one day years. One day you'll watch it, huh? He's gonna stream it tonight. It's on HBO. <laughs> Talk about that good catalog on he HBO watched Mac. it like two weeks ago.
1: you already discussed this don't make me say why if you were doing what I was doing you would have thought it was a good idea he wasn't he
0: wasn't in the right mind to consent to watching this film (laughs) but that's it for the musicals Uh, Cats fucking sucks don't ever watch it Uh, it's really bad it's really 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 bad Let's get in let's get a fucking palate cleanser. Let's get the best palate cleanser known to fucking God. Oh, take it- And gentlemen, this is not a musical. This is our review for the bridge episode of
1: Euphoria. Their special part one. Holy shit. I literally said this right after the episode. If there was not a reason for Chase to watch this show before, I literally said this right after the episode. I was like, we have to get him to watch this now. Like that was the best episode of television i've seen maybe not of all time i don't want to sound crazy but like in a while in a while like it was so well done are we gonna spoil Euphoria? for you uh, on the podcast, so. i don't
0: i think we can talk about this episode in a vacuum without spoiling it too hard i i think that's really possible the episode has a very simple premise it opens up uh at an unknown point in time. And you have Rue and her her lover, uh, Jules, and they're in like an apartment together, and it's this fantasy. It's like, oh my God, like they're so happy, it's so great.
1: And it was almost like from the moment it started, we
0: were like, this isn't real. Yeah, like, I, I I knew about after a minute or two, I was like, There's, this is too good to be true. And I was like, this is, this is a time skip, doesn't make sense. Uh, and then it goes to Rue in the bathroom, uh, crushing up some pills and starting them. Uh, And then you you come back down to earth. And that scene really just served as a kind of dream sequence of what would have happened if Rue decided to run off with Jules at the end of the season one finale, Uh, which, spoiler alert, would have been a really bad fucking thing, because I have to say this, doing drugs and being addicted to them is not a good thing. And some people who watch this show don't understand that concept. Mm-hmm. It, it blows my mind. I don't want to get too much into it, but I
1: totally cause... agree with you. You know, a lot of the reception after Euphoria was that, like HBO and the creator were like highlighting this behavior and like promoting this behavior, which is not the message I think I got from Euphoria. Yeah. I don't know about you, Frank. Definitely not. It's not the message I got, and a lot of people were like, they're like, they, it, it was there was like a glorification around teenagers acting this way. And I could see a lot of TikToks of people being like, "Uh, oh, I just want to be the girl from Euphoria and like yep. all dumb Glitter stuff. Glitter and, and drugs. I just feel like this episode was the director literally be like, people, this is not a good thing. <laughs> yep. This is a bad thing. Like at the end of the episode, me and Frankie were like, this episode was for all those fucking people that glorified the, the events in Euphoria and tried to like make it a thing. Like yep. the, the director's literally like, do you understand now? This is a bad <laughs> thing. Like, understand. <laughs>
0: And people got mad on social media, like, oh, no, I didn't like it. It was so boring. Because the episode after that dream sequence is a single scene. It's It's just one scene. It's Christmas Eve. Rue is with her sponsor. She relapses at the end of the season finale. And she's with her sponsor in a diner eating pancakes. And that's the entire episode. The whole
1: episode is a 40-minute long conversation between those two people. And it, it was great.
0: Yeah. Sam Levinson, he he is an addict himself uh, and brings such care to this role. And like you said, it's kind of him saying like, nah, like y'all, y'all fuck this up. Anyone who said after watching Euphoria that the show was glorifying this or themselves believed like that it wasn't this, like they just, like they wanted to be like the kids in the show either missed the point entirely or they weren't paying attention or they refused to pay To attention.
1: acknowledge yeah, what's yeah. The, the truth. Can I add in on that? Yeah. yeah.
2: So from my outsider's perspective, it's really, like, so for a movie like, say, Wolf of Wall Street, right? I watch oh. Wolf of Wall Street, like, these guys, the crazy life they live, like, I want to do that, but that's a destructive life that you should never do with all the stuff that's going on. Yep. And when it comes to something like this, yeah, we as adults know what that can lead to. We, we have a fully developed brain. We're over the age of 25. <laughs> we, we know what this is, but there's little fourteen year olds seeing this. They're like, "Wow, this looks awesome," because they probably are experiencing with weed or whatever. And they're like, "Okay, let's go to something else, or what's we want to live that life?" So I haven't seen this episode, but I'm hoping what you're saying is probably, hopefully, they catch the the point of that. That hey, this so isn't because,
1: I hope so, because like Frankie said, the whole episode is just those two people in the diner talking about real shit and. Mm-hmm it's so simplified and yet the whole time i was literally like on the edge of my seat just like in just like so absorbing everything they were saying and like i I walked away and me and frankie both like at the same time were like this was definitely the director speaking to the audience like this was definitely the director saying hey you guys this is this is life and this is real and this is not something you want like this is hard shit and it's I cried throughout that episode. There was moments where I, would, I was getting teary eyed because it was just, and I'm not an addict like that. I don't mm. suffer from that kind of stuff, thank God. But yet I was so able to correlate so much of what they were discussing to me. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think you have to be an addict or even somebody who is doing any kind of vice to understand what they're discussing and to relate yeah. it to yourself. like everything that they were saying I was able to correlate it to something that I struggle with in my life not drugs not alcohol but other things you know or just like just a simple fact of like the way you treat people you love the way you treat your family the way you treat people you care about it's like it really just got me sitting there and I I wanted to like call all my loved ones after that episode and (laughs) I love you and I care about you and I respect you and I appreciate you because you mean everything to me because it was just It was a great, it was, it was a lot. And it was like Frankie said, we had just come off of the Mandalorian. So it was like, we were just wired on good television. Like we were just. Yeah.
0: Best night of television ever. (laughs) It was really, really fucking great. The
1: episode serves as like
0: almost a Q and a between the, the struggling addict and the addict in recovery. And I have sat in rooms before, obviously I've been very open about my struggles. Uh, And I'm, I think I'm, I'm one year, nine months sober, uh, like a week or two off, like a a year, nine months. Uh, so I've, I'm very familiar with the conversations that happens in, in these, in these anonymous rooms. You know, I'm very familiar with the talk with your sponsor, with the open dialogue, uh, and the no bullshit kind of environment. Uh, and I know what it's like to be around an addict who pretends, that they're clean and they're doing great uh, when in reality they're high right now, you know? Uh, and it does such a, just a great job. Like like I said, doing a and a between Rue and Ali, who is her sponsor who has decades and decades of experience. And Rue is just an infant compared to him because she's only, she's just beginning her journey, her lifelong journey. She's like
1: 18 years old. Like, yeah, she's, she's like, like, I think she's 17.
0: 17. I think she's 17. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she recently relapsed and she meets with her sponsor. She admits to it cause he, he fucking senses out her bullshit immediately. She tries to hide it. She tries to lie about it. She tries to play it off. Like things are cool. Uh, and he just breaks her down and gets her to open up and be open about her struggles. Uh, because one of, again, you don't necessarily need to be an addict to know this, but one of the hardest things about the disease of addiction is the shame. That it brings. The disease feeds off of shame. So one of the first things that happens in that episode is breaking down the shame and kind of making you feel like you're okay. You know, you, and, and this is a direct quote from the episode or abridged quote. Uh, at one point, uh, Ali says, you're not a piece of shit. Uh, you're not an addict because you're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit because you're an addict. And that's something that's really hard for people to grasp and that they compartmentalize and they really internalize these things that they do, these horrible atrocious things that they do to their, the people they love the most when they are suffering from this Uh, and they blame themselves for it. But that type of unearned guilt, that shame really is not healthy for you. It's not healthy for anyone. Uh, And it, it only serves to further your addiction and to further your use, because basically Rue's at the point that many addicts have been at, where they believe they're such a piece of shit that they're beyond redemption, which is just an excuse to keep using. I, I've done that excuse myself, because uh, it, it took me a long time to acknowledge any of this stuff. And like I said, just being in those rooms and being around this, every single thing that was said during that episode, I've either heard before, or I knew it was absolutely the truth. And it was something special, to see these topics being truly represented on the silver screen. Cause very, there's some, there's some media that does some real justice to the disease of addiction and how it's, how it's handled, how it's presented. Uh, there's a lot of media that does it just for gags and I fucking hate that. There's lots of media that glorify it. There's lots of media that misses the mark. Uh, this is probably one of the realist depictions of what the disease is like that I have ever seen. Uh, and it was almost, <laughs> this might be sound a little bad, but it was almost like getting back into a meeting myself. Like, oh, okay, it's been a while because coronavirus has been going on. I haven't been to a meeting in a really long time. It's like, okay, like I'm in a meeting again. Like I, the stuff they are saying is what you hear in those rooms, especially coming from the older, uh, more experienced addicts. Um, to those who are just beginning their journey. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's really, really great. And it's heartbreaking too. And it's not all like positive because it, it highlights the downsides too. Like it shows how Ollie's ham- family, even though like he's even not- Even though he's, a, he's been 16 years sober, they like still hate his family still hates him. And, and it's like- justifiable because of how bad he was to them. Like he was like yelling and beating his like wife like in front of their kids, you know, uh, and doing terrible things that, is something that you have to accept and deal with. And you have to atone for those sins, uh, but you can't let it define you as well. And it just does such a great job at depicting this. And again, in a single scene, when the rest of the show is, there's a lot of pizzazz. There's a lot
1: going on, a lot going on.
0: It's markedly different. It's very kind of calm, fucking real he sits her down, he gets her to fucking shut the fuck up and kind of own up to this shit. Yeah,
1: I love all those moments that are so real where Rue kind of like sits there because I feel like as teenagers, as young adults, it's very easy for us to feel like we know what we're talking about. Yep. And in reality, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I just love those moments where Rue is like sitting there saying some bullshit and he's like, girl, I'm 57 years old. Like, I, I know what the, I, I know what I'm talking about. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, yeah. and those moments I was just like, that's, 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 that's adolescence right there. Yep. Looking at a 57 year old person and trying to tell them what's what like, <laughs> yep. that is adolescence right there. And I just feel like we all could use a lesson and how to respect the people that have been here for a fucking while. One thing I wanted to bounce off of what you said, just from like an acting perspective I felt like I was taking that shit in, dude, because it it felt like a masterclass for acting. You know, like we were saying, um, Chase, the whole scene is just in the diner. And it's just like these two people, one shot on Rue, one shot on Ali. As an actor, like, you have to be fucking good to be able to nail a 40 minute scene that's just a conversation. You know what I mean? Like where there's like nothing hiding anything you the camera is just right on your face and you got to be as real as like, I was sitting there just in awe of Zendaya. And I know we've already discussed what an amazing actress she is. Oh But that episode I was like, dude, she is a trained actress like she is sitting here. And I think that this is an addict. I think this girl is on drugs. I think this character exists. Like in real life, like that's rare where you don't look at it and say, it's Zendaya playing an addict. No, that's fucking Rue, the addict. You know what I mean? And like, I just feel like as a, as a someone who, uh, uh, you know, admires acting, it was a masterclass, man. I was just sitting there the whole time. Like, dude, these actors are fucking giving us everything and they're not doing anything. They're just sitting at this diner talking. And I just was like, you know, like, it was just, it was amazing. You said your favorite quote. I want to say my favorite quote. It's another quote that Ali says the hardest part of having the disease of addiction aside from having the disease is that no one in the world sees it as a disease. When he said that, dude, I was like, fuck. Like the writer, like I want to cry when I think about it. Cause I'm just mm-hmm. like, dude, that writer has gone through shit to come up with these beautiful lines Mm. these beautiful lines in this show like he has had to suffered to be able to have that level of wisdom it's wisdom yeah. that's what that is to be able to write a line like that that is a wisdom dude and like i was just right when i heard that i was like oh, fuck like that was real dude that was fucking yeah.
0: it, sam levinson is incredible and that's one of the special things about and the positives that you can have from learning from your mistakes and being on that path to recovery is the wisdom you can impart on others. That's one of the greatest things. That's the twelfth step of the of the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and Anonymous uh, programs is helping others like others helped you. Paraphrased. <laughs> no, that's not the exact wording, but that's the whole point. Is helping the struggling addict and leading them on their journey and becoming a sponsor and doing that and in in that fucking episode (laughs) sam levinson was all of our sponsors
1: you know he he was my sponsor dude and i've never (laughs) even fucking touched him like he was my sponsor and i love it too because like you said he has such a care you can tell he's making a show but for me, it almost feels like he's like, he's dealing with his shit. Like yep. for me, this show comes across like his outlet to recovery. Yep. Like uh, the way he writes characters, the way he writes lines. I feel like he is like talking to himself and mm-hmm. he is addressing himself and it just so happens to be a really successful show. But in reality, it's just him addressing himself and trying to work through himself. More and so, I, just, I
0: think it's him addressing his younger self. Yeah, Maybe yeah, His younger
1: self. Yeah. His younger the, self. The Attic addict that's so in recovery.
0: Yeah. yeah. But the, the addict who's beginning their journey. And it, it's mm-hmm. almost like a meditation that it's very common, like your inner child meditation. Gotta be so cathartic. Yeah. Where you're, where, when you're meditating, you're having that inner dialogue with the child that's inside of you, that, that child who is hurt and who is in need and letting them know like, Hey, it's okay. You're gonna be fine. Like you're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And having that type of meditation is is unbelievably powerful powerful. When I did it, I fucking bawled my eyes out. Uh and that's almost how this came off is like he's having that that dialogue with his younger self between these two characters. And I remember when I finished the episode I mentioned to Dan. Uh I was Utterly shocked to find out that the... I I was saying, like, if the actor for Ali isn't an addict, I'd be shocked. And I'm pretty sure he's just an amazing actor. Uh, And he's instantly, like, again, he's one of my favorite actors at this point because of how great he was in that entire episode. Like, he gets some screen time during the show, and he's awesome during the show, but he got his chance to shine during this special. And, man, it was something special. Mm -hmm. It was fucking... Amazing television with an amazing reason an amazing story to be told that I think a lot of people, whether or not you're struggling like that uh can take stuff away from it
1: definitely yeah Well do you want to get into our ratings
0: yeah uh I'll go first i I loved the special I'm really excited for part two uh because I believe it's going to be Jules and to be her perspective of it kind is, of how things is, is. Uh, because Rue has proven herself to be a very unreliable narrator. Uh, so I'm really excited to see. As addicts that. are. Yes. I'm very excited to see the antithesis, uh, but between it being just masterful filmmaking and television and directing, the cinematography, we haven't even touched on like the actual mechanics. It's oh absolutely God. incredible. It's, there's so much Uh, this episode is getting a perfect 10 out of 10 for me.
1: I was going to agree with you. I've never done this before in my life, at least on this podcast, but there is not a single, and again, we're we're reviewing a one hour special. Yes. You know, so we're not reviewing like a whole show or something. We're just reviewing a one hour special. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a perfect 10 for me. I've never walked away from something and thought it was perfect. Like absolutely perfect. Even like, the best Game of Thrones episodes, or like, yeah. you know, my favorite—I don't even know. Like, I've never felt this way about something ever, and it's just a perfect ten for me, absolutely. Yeah,
0: it was—it was incredible, and I'm really glad HBO put
1: this out there. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that there's a, a platform like HBO that invests the level of money they invest in stories like this. Like, it, it, the the stories that HBO tells, it's like. It's like what Netflix tries really hard to do, but can never accomplish. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like their version of Euphoria was like 13 Reasons Why. And that show did not translate well. And I just feel like HBO is the perfect place to be doing something like this.
0: Yeah. Well, that's about going to wrap up our musical episode, guys. Chase, you need to watch this
2: show. Here, I'll, I'll give you... I was thinking about this during you guys are convincing me. I'll watch it, but we have to watch it all three together, like we've been doing with Bruce. absolutely down.
1: I yeah. wanna rewatch it. I wanna rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, you don't, don't have to it. tell
2: me twice. Fuck you. Yeah. Right.
0: It's, it. it's great. It's great. And there's so much to it. It's awesome. I cannot it's gonna be a long time until season two, but I, I can't fucking wait. Counting the days.
2: Well then let's do start of the new year. We'll start watching it. Just do an episode yeah. tonight it's basically
1: uh that's basically a year anniversary of when we first tried to convince you (laughs) Well, Well, because didn't it it come out last january
2: no it came out july or june of 2019 oh and i watched the first two maybe three episodes and then i stopped i don't know but i'll I'll start from the very beginning yeah no it is and it's sad boy season right now too (laughs) we'll we'll push through
0: it's great it's a really heavy episode it's Or not—it's a really heavy show in general, uh, but it's got a story to tell, Uh, and I'm—I'm really glad that they put it out first too, because it takes place on Christmas Eve, Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's—it's a great thing because the holidays are hard for a lot of people. A lot of people struggle during this time of year, and I think it's something that people can lean on and really take something from. Uh, But coming up, and that's why
1: those reviews. Sorry, one more thing. That's why those reviews about people saying it was boring bothered me. Yeah, I'm just like. If you want to go watch fucking an explosion, like, go watch something else. Yeah. This is a show about a story. Like, if you can't appreciate that, go fucking watch Wonder Woman. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. Uh,
0: it, I, I took personal offense when people were criticizing the episode. But then I, I was I was glad to see everyone else saying, like, those people are fucking stupid as well. Oh, my. Because a lot of people call them the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got a lot more coming up for you guys next week because it's going to be our first christmas episode last year we didn't do christmas i'm really excited you guys want to talk about what we're going to be uh reviewing next week
2: let's do it all right so this year we decided on three movies i'm very stoked for them because two of them are some of my actually i guess all three of them are like some of my favorites but we're gonna do a child movie so christmas with the cranks we're gonna do the pg-13 drama we're getting the family stone and then we're gonna do like the be- like there's only like a few r-rated christmas movies so we're doing christmas vacation and yeah. the comedy side we watched christmas with the cranks last night dan and i had seen it uh, we watch it every year frankie i think it was his first time or second time maybe yep. since childhood i think he enjoyed it but i'm excited to talk about it works dan and i are excited for frankie to see family stone never seen um it is it's so good and the last episode i I actually just listened to our thanksgiving episode last night and we talked about family stone like how it could be a thanksgiving movie so it it, it's a really good christmas movie so Mm -hmm. and then christmas vacation and i'm excited for
1: frankie to see that the, the cover has nothing to do with the, the movie. <laughs> Yeah. I agree. The cover is very Valentine's Day, New Year's mm-hmm. Eve looking. It looks like one of those like highly you know, a lot of Hallmark big cast movie. members. Yeah, but it's not that. Yeah. So
2: just No, this is Sarah Jessica Parker coming off Sex and the City as a big name actress now being in uh, a big holiday production movie. It's really good. It's a really good drama movie. And I don't really care for drama movies. And this is up there.
0: Yeah. And then you're going to have a Charlie Brown Christmas. We're going to oh, yeah. take a two-week break, right, for the holidays. We're taking off Christmas and New Year's week. Uh, but then we'll be coming with you for the last few episodes of season one, or season two. It's been so quick. It's been mm-hmm. so fucking quick. Uh, so you got lots more content coming out. Two weeks of content here. They're both going to be longer episodes. Two-week break and then a couple more episodes before the end of the year, or before the end of the season.
2: When are... are we gonna do Mando after Christmas?
1: Yes. Yeah. That should be when, like a solo whenever, episode. Whenever we can uh, do it, we should just do it the first time it's available. Yep, I, th- I think that sounds good.
2: Ne- next Friday's the last episode, right?
0: No, we have to oh. Yeah. oh.
2: Well, this Friday and then the next week Friday, so...
0: Yeah. yeah, we that close, all right?
2: Yeah, yeah. 6 episodes in. <laughs> I
0: thought it was
1: 9.
2: No, it's 8 8, oh, eight seasons.
1: You know what we were talking about last uh, week? <laughs> 8 episodes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is where you want more. This is where you want more. I'm going to fucking kill John Favreau. He's so great, but Jesus okay. Christ.
0: All right guys, that's going to wrap up our musical episode. Uh we'll see y'all next week for Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Peace. Thank you.